uh, for all that you have already done in our midst today, Lord God. Uh, just a spirit of conviction, spirit of love and mercy that you have already showered upon us. A uh, spirit of direction. Uh, Lord God, so we now, as we forge ahead in your word, we ask you that you would speak to our hearts again. Change us, mold us, give us hearing ears, give us a willing spirit to do what thus says the Lord. So we thank you again uh, this afternoon for all the things that you have already accomplished in our life, and we look forward to what you're going to do through your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. For many years, we have heard about the greatness of HD television. And by we, I mean my family. Until finally last year, we were able to uh, purchase ourselves an HD television and experience it for ourselves. And one of the things uh, uh, I have discovered is that HD TV is really, really something. You know, uh, a lot of times we believe when we see all of the actors and actresses on television, uh, how it seems like uh, they only pick the most beautiful of people to appear in the movies or to appear on television. Uh, looking at their skin is flawless, you know. How are they able to do it? Uh, are they able to do it with all that makeup just pounded on their face? But you see, with a standard television set, uh, most things look fairly good. Uh, but the moment that uh, you not just have HD TV, but you're looking at an HD movie, uh, then you begin to realize, I didn't realize that so-and-so had that going on in their face. Uh, you see all the little freckles and imperfections in their face. Uh, that we've never seen before. And sometimes even a pound of makeup cannot cover uh, some of the imperfections in an actor's and actress's face. Well, there's, there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, no, we're not criticizing that uh, because none of our mugs are any better. So what has happened for us that HDTV, high-definition television, it has brought into reality that which was hidden. Well, in the spiritual realm, we have another high-definition source. That source of high-definition is not powered by electricity. It's not powered by what the producers and the directors can do in Hollywood or in Bollywood. You see, many of us live this life thinking everything is okay. Not able to see all the dark spots here and not the dark spots there, right in front of our eyes. We can't see what's really in life because we are looking at life with standard vision. You see, standard vision is something that comes by default to everyone who is born a man or a woman in this, on this planet. We can't see things for what they really are because of the eyes that we have been born with. Everything looks normal. That's standard vision. But God wants us to view life a different way. 
God says that he wants you, or that he wants me to view life uh, with high definition spiritual eyes. God wants us to see not only the world for what it is, but he also wants us to see ourselves for who we truly are. Well, how do we do that? We do that by starting with the Lord. Turn with me to 1 John chapter 1 verse 5. 1 John chapter 1 verse 5. And here we discover that God's character is pure and righteous. God's character is pure and righteous. The Apostle John writes this. This is the message we have heard from him and proclaimed to you. That God is light and in him is no darkness at all. You see, John's central emphasis is about the character of God. Uh, previously, as we saw earlier, uh, that John, he spoke of Jesus Christ, whom he received the message from. Uh, he, he mentioned Jesus' message concerned eternal life, not only for who he is, but for what, what he wants to bestow upon us. The message of Jesus is not one-dimensional. It is multi-dimensional. Uh, but yet, uh, there are certain things that uh, John wants to get across to us in his book. So now John's message is two-pronged. He says two things. Number one, he says, God is light and there is no darkness in him. God is light and there is no darkness in him. Uh, the verse says, at in most conversations, the part about our Lord being light is generally sufficient enough for us to realize that there's no darkness in him. So the fact that it says that God is light, that should be enough. We should understand that there's no darkness in him. This differs from the concept of how we view the sun, you know, the S-U-N. We realize, uh, or maybe or not, you didn't realize this. Did you realize that the earth is about 93 million miles away from the sun? 93 million miles. But yet somehow when I'm riding on this earth, uh, 93 million miles away from the sun, I get hot. Are you aware that uh, if the sun was extinguished, it, within one week, the temperature of this entire earth would immediately go to zero degrees, 24-7. Within one year, the temperature on this earth would be a negative 100 degrees if the sun were to be extinguished. So as uh, that hotness comes from the sun that heats it us, the sun that heats us up, uh, the sun also has flaws. Did you know that? As bright as the sun says, remember as a kid uh, when they would have, what is it called, solar, solar eclipse or whatever it was, don't look at the sun. Don't look at the sun with your eyes, and I don't know about uh, any of you, but uh, I used to always say, oh, teachers, they don't know what they're talking about. I go take a look up there, I'm like, yeah, that is pretty bright. Uh, uh, but, but, but in any case, uh, you know that we can't even look into the sun because it is so bright that it can blind us. But yet, 
the brightness of that sun, it still has flaws and it's called dark spots. Uh, close imaging of the sun, uh, you are able to see uh, certain aspects, different shapes, and different sizes in the sun uh, that is darker than the rest for a period of time. And sometimes these dark spots, it, it changes locations from this spot and size to another location. Uh, so this is different from what John says. John says that, that God is light, but in him there is no darkness at all. Uh, he says, in other words, uh, that even though uh, the sun is as bright as it is, and how the sun itself is actually flawed, he says God is not flawed. God does not have any dark spots. There are no flaws, either detectable or undetectable, in uh, the Son of God. Uh, so the central message is at the heart of what John and others convey to everyone, and it starts with God. If there's any compromise uh, or anything less than God, uh, then the focus of their message, their call to deliver the abundant life to the lifeless would be completely in vain. This verse goes on to mention that there is no darkness, and then it says none or at all. John wants us to clearly understand there is absolutely without, beyond a shadow of doubt, no darkness in God because he is light. But biblical light, what is that? Uh, in relationship to God, it is a, it is a metaphor. It is a word used to represent something else, in other words. And for us, this light, in one sense, it represents both the salvation and also the life that God delivers to a world darkened by sin. Psalm 27, verse 1. The psalmist writes, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life or the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? But this light not only represents salvation and deliverance for us, but it also represents God. God as light is the truth. God as life is full of all moral purity as well. So what we know about goodness and what we know about truth comes from God because this is who he is. God is good, we say, all the time because all the time... God is good. Jesus says in, in John chapter 8 verse 12, he says, I am the light of the world. This is what he says. One scholar, he writes, and I quote, if we understand light to represent both truthfulness and moral purity, then Jesus is here claiming to be the source of truth and the source of moral purity and holiness in the world. An astounding claim, he says, and one that could only be made by someone who was free from sin. Unlike the S-U-N son, Jesus also has no dark spots. Again, there in John chapter 8, verse 12, Jesus says, uh, spoke to them, saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. But note the fact that Jesus 
uh, himself identifies himself as the light of the world. And then John says here in John chapter 1, he says God is light. So if John says God is light, and then Jesus says I am the light, that makes Jesus who? Let's try it again. Uh, John says, uh, what we were just reading there in 1 John chapter 1 verse 5, that God is life. Uh, but Jesus also says, I am the light, not only of the world, but Jesus says, I am the light. So if John says that God is the light, and then Jesus says, ego eimi thos, that I am the light, Jesus is saying what? That what? I am God. So for all the naysayers who believe that Jesus in no way ever uh, implied or scripture never implied that Jesus is God, you are dead wrong and you don't know the word of God. So if we follow him who is light, then we live according to that light, else we walk in darkness. But we should see ourselves if we don't know Christ in this darkness. Paul understands it this way concerning his light and his darkness. Uh, Ephesians chapter 5 verse 8. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 8 and 9. Paul says this, For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. And then he uses the imperative, this command, he says, Walk as children of light. Verse 9, for the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. Right? So he tells us to walk as children of light. F. F. Bruce, a biblical scholar, he says, God is the source and essential of holiness and righteousness, goodness and truth. In him there is nothing that is unholy or unrighteous, uh, evil or false. In other words, uh, God is as good as it gets. If you are in the search for God, uh, you might as well stop with Jesus Christ because he is as good as it gets. There is no source in all that exists in the past, in the present, or in the future that could possibly trump uh, the purity and goodness of the Lord. Uh, if you're familiar with precious metals like gold, you know that the purer it is, the more valuable it is. Now I know some of you may wear rings that are 18 karat gold uh, uh, electroplated. Uh, that's not what I'm talking about. But even in, in its best condition, gold has to be refined with fire. In order to remove, uh, remove as much as of the dross or the impurities as possible. They said at its best, gold can only be 99.99% pure. And yet they call it 100% pure, but it's not. They say it is possible for gold to be purified to 100%, but once you purify, quote unquote, purify gold to 100%, then it starts to change its form. In other words, when you purify gold to 100%, it changes its character. Gold actually softens. The more pure it becomes, the softer it becomes. So some of you with your rings and your bling bling, uh, you probably don't have 100% gold hanging on and around you. So what you end up with, if someone were to take gold and purify it to 100%, you would end up with something that you really didn't want. 
This is not so with God, brothers and sisters. God is 100% pure. God is 100% ethical. Why? Because God is 100% light. You see, the slightest bit, uh, just uh, uh, 0. 0.000000000001% of impurity in God would render God godless. You can't have God to be God if there's any amount of impurity in him. There is no darkness in God at all. But this also moves us to define exactly what John, what John meant uh, when he speaks of darkness. If God is viewed as life, darkness summarizes everything that's anti-God. <laughs> Did you hear that? If God is light, darkness summarizes everything that's not of God. Lewis Berry Schaefer, the uh, founding individual of Dallas Theological Seminary, uh, he illustrates uh, this truth uh, in this way. Darkness is the opposition to the character of God, number one. Number two, it is the current moral state of the unsaved world. Number three, darkness represents the carnal Christian. Four, it represents the time of coming tribulation and henceforth also the future condition of the world. And then finally, five, darkness is also the final destination of the lost. Moving on, 1 John chapter 1, verse 6. We need to measure ourselves through self-tests and strengthen ourselves through confession. John, he writes here in verse 6, If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness... We lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus' his Son cleanses us from all sin. Verse 8, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and truth is not in us. Verse 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and the word is not in us. You lie. You're just a big fat liar. If you say you have fellowship with God, but yet you live a life that contradicts that light of God. John puts it plainly when he says, if we boast about that fellowship, then you're walking in darkness, and you're just telling a lie. Again, walking in darkness it has a sense of what is current and regular, uh, the regular action of an individual. Now, this is not your run-of-the-mill, I made a mistake. Amen? Because uh, as of yet, I have not met one, not one, including myself, who is absolutely perfect. Not one person. Uh, so all those folks are saying, well, if you're a Christian, you'll never sin. Well, Jesus says that uh, if you think that your actions is the only indicator of a lack of sin, he says, check your heart. He says if you're lusting after a woman, he says within your heart, he says you're sinning. He says if you just want to kill somebody on your job and you really mean it, he says that you are sinning. So John says that uh, if you live a contradictory life, 
in your actions or in your mind, he says that you need Jesus Christ. So anyway, uh, in, in total darkness now, right? Uh, you can expect to bump into things that you didn't see. Uh, how many of us have uh, walked through our homes late at night and bumped our leg or stubbed our toe on a piece of furniture here and there? Uh, you see, when you walk in the dark, you don't know what to expect. You see, when I walk in the dark, I don't expect to hurt myself. I don't know about you, maybe some of you can walk, you know where everything is, right? Uh, in your house that you never bump, some of us as a matter of fact, bump into stuff when the lights are on. Amen? So when we walk in darkness, we don't know where we're going or even where we are. We just think we do. So verse 6 tells us two things that support one another, that we lie if we say that this stuff is true and we do not practice the truth. John clearly deals with false teachers in this letter uh, to the church in essence. Uh, this really deals, when you look at the whole package of the entire book of 1 John, and we're going to talk about that in a few messages to come about false teachers within the church. But, but John is first saying, before we start pointing our fingers at someone else, we must turn that finger around uh, to our own big, fat, or skinny, or short, or long nose, and say, it's me. It's me, O oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. Saying one thing and doing another is problematic for John and should be for you. If you are one who acts in darkness, then Jesus is not the head of your life. God is not pleased with you. You may live according to another father. John chapter 8 verse 44 please. John 8 44. So every time that you lie, and I'm not talking about you lie, every time that you lie, I've got to separate those words now, right? Uh, you need to take a look at John chapter 8 verse 44. Jesus responds to the Pharisees, you are of your father, the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth. See, if you don't stand in the truth, you stand in the lie. <laughs> but Jesus says, just in case you didn't get that, here it is, because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character. For he is a liar and the father of, what does Jesus say? So when you lie, whether you tell a, a white lie, which somehow is supposed to be better than a black lie, I guess, or when you lie, that you operate according to a different father and not the father of lights. So your father, son, and the Holy Spirit may not be that which Jesus spoke of in, in Matthew chapter 28. Your father, when you lie, may be the devil. My question to you this afternoon, who is your daddy? Who's your daddy? 
Jesus says you need to go ahead and stop playing around. Uh, he said if, if God is God, follow him. But if Baal is God, follow him. Quit playing games. And many of us would like to think because I go to church, I have my foot in the door of heaven. But you see, the problem with that is if you're walking in darkness, you don't know which door your foot is in. And the bottom line is, if you're walking in darkness, you cannot see. And if you're living according to a lie, number one, you can't see and you do not realize that the foot that you're trying to get into, the door you're trying to get into, is hell. Your foot is in the door of hell, but you can't see it because you, we are so far from the Lord. John goes on to say walking in the light means we have fellowship with one another. And we discussed that a little bit last week. One of the reasons why there is no fellowship in the church or compromised fellowship in the church is because there's individuals who are not walking in the light. On the surface they appear holy and they appear sanctified. Oh, praise the Lord. I am so glad. What is God doing in your life, you big liar? But there's always holdouts who refuse to bend a knee before God. Holdouts are those people who have refused to submit themselves to God's will so they act contrary to the witness of Jesus Christ. If you are the Secretary of State of the United States, uh, that this individual, that they're supposed to operate in harmony with the President, amen? This individual, man or woman, whoever it is, is they represents the words and the hopes of their boss. The moment uh, that this Secretary of State says anything contrary to the President, he no longer represents the President. Same true of ambassadors as well. Uh, that we all are citizens and ambassadors of Jesus Christ. And the moment that we do or say anything contrary to the will of God, uh, then we're not operating in alignment with God's will. Do you operate in harmony with Jesus Christ or does your life constantly contradict your boss, the Lord? True fellowship with one another indicates we have a commonality in Jesus. It means we now have more that binds us together than what tears us apart. So if you have not started looking uh, at the men and women and, and boys and girls in this sanctuary as being from God, then you need to look at them in a different light. That they are brothers and our sisters in the faith. But on the other hand, verse 8, John chapter, 1 John chapter 1, verse 8. But on the other hand, John says, if we say we have no sin, we're lying to ourselves too. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Well, which sin does John talk about? Number one, we already know, we know that this letter, this epistle is written to believers. So if you're a believer, how can you have sin? So either Christ has died for my sin, or he has not died for my sin. Part of our discovery to this answer takes us to 1 John chapter 1, uh, 1 John chapter 2, verse 1. Take a look at that. 1 John chapter 2 verse 1 John says my little children I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin 
So the types of sin that John seems to be referring to here in this passage for the believer are those things that we do daily. Yeah, we can talk about the easy stuff like lies, but what about the manipulation and everything else that goes along with it? Verse 9. John, he goes on finally, he tells us that I, I just don't want you to stay there, right? Uh, that I, he says, I know that you're going to sin because you're human. No, does that eliminate the fact that, that Jesus Christ has died from you, for you and you're on your way to heaven? John says, that's not what I'm talking about. He says, what I'm talking about is that you sin and you need to figure out a way to get yourself cleaned up. Now, you don't have to come to me, amen. You don't have to go to some building and go to uh, some little room and, and close the curtain and, and, and tell some guy this is what I did. John says you need to get to God for yourself. Verse 9, if what? We confess our sins. He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So even though we know that Christ's work has been done perfectly in us, our flesh wants to say, you need to take a trip back to the good old times. Remember when you used to, right? And I'll let you fill in the blank. Or remember what you did yesterday? John says, I, you can't live a life condemned. He says that we can get to God and get cleansed and not live this contradictory life. He says, even though this may have been your state of existence, he says, don't give up. Don't you give up. Don't give in to the temptation for which drives you further and further away from the Lord. Recognize sin for what it is and submit yourself to the Lord. In this message, God wants us to know that he is holy and he provides a way. Amen. We must never give up on the process and continually run to him when we fall or when we fail. As a disciple of Jesus Christ, we must live consistently, which reflects the holy and the ethical nature of God. Confession begins now. Confession begins right now. Don't allow the enemy or your circumstances to dictate the road you travel as God's child. It is true that God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. So therefore as those who follow him who is of light, we must confess our sins as soon as it comes up. So Jesus allows us to see the world through spiritual eyes that are high definition. You can see the darkness for what it is because Jesus allows us all to walk in the light. Let's pray.